DW Africa Link. Hello and welcome to DW's Africa Link program where we delve into the stories that matter to you. Live from our studios here in Bonn, Germany, I'm Isaac Mugabe. And I'm Okeri Ngushinado. Join us on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Coming up, reactions are coming in after simmering tensions after Burundi closed its border with Rwanda. Traders from both countries are the ones who are suffering. Like they say, like when two elephants fight, the grass is that really suffers. This shows that the negotiations between the two governments to restore good relations were a waste of time. We hear from an analyst on how the border closure for the second time could further impact relations between both Rwanda and Burundi. The fact that it's been closed again, I think shows that there's an enormous amount of bad blood between the two governments that perhaps when the border was reopened, uh, that relationship really wasn't fully mended. And later, we also bring you updates on the AFCON tournament. We have all of that coming, but first, the world news in brief. DW News. DW News with me, Buba Jalo. Rwandan said, Rwanda said it shot dead a Congolese soldier and arrested two more after they crossed the border on early Tuesday. Tensions are simmering over violence in the Democratic Republic of Congo's volatile east. The three soldiers entered Rubavu district, which borders the main city of Goma. That is according to the Rwanda Defense Forces. Eastern DR Congo has been plagued by decades of violence. The ethnic Tutsi rebel group known as M23 has seized seized swathes of land since launching an offensive in in late 2021. Meanwhile, United States Secretary of State Antony Blinken on Tuesday met Rwandan President Paul Kagame at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Blinken praised Kigali's effort to reduce tensions even as news of the latest border clash emerged. Kenyan prosecutors said on Tuesday they intend to charge a suspected cult leader and dozens of other suspects with murder and terrorism. Self-proclaimed pastor Paul McKenzie is alleged to have incited his followers to starve to death in order to, quote-unquote, meet Jesus in a case that shocked the world. More than 400 of his followers allegedly starved themselves to death. The Director of Public Prosecution stated that there is sufficient evidence to prosecute 95 suspects. This move comes a week after a court gave authorities 14 days to prosecute the former taxi driver or release him. Mackenzie and his co-accused will face 10 charges including murder, manslaughter and terrorism. They will also be charged with subjecting a child to torture, the prosecutor said. European Union member state on Tuesday added Yahya Sinwa, the political leader of Hamas, to their sanctions list in response to the group's surprising attack on Israel last October. Sinwa is now subject to the freezing of his funds and other financial assets in EU member states, while EU operators are prohibited to make funds and economic resources available to him. Born in Gaza's Khan Yunis refugee camp, 61-year-old Sinwa was elected as Hamas leader in Gaza in 2017. Africa Link News comes to you from Germany's international public broadcaster, DW. Now to the United States. Donald Trump has won a landslide victory in the Iowa caucuses, cementing his status as the clear frontrunner for the 2024 Republican presidential nominations. Iowa is first of the state-by-state contest where Republican voters pick their White House candidate.
The former president won the state by a huge margin, edging out Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who finished a distant second ahead of former South Carolina governor and ex-UN ambassador Nikki Haley. South African comedian Trevor Noah has won an Emmy Award in the Outstanding Talk Series category for his first talk show, The Daily Show. Winning with the win, Noah makes history as the first African and the first black person to win an Emmy for Outstanding Talk Series since that category's introduction in 2015. The comedian has been nominated for Emmy category five times before, but the sixth nomination which he earned in his final season hosting The Daily Show, finally secured him this win. And some sad news in sport. German football club Hertha Berlin are mourning after the unexpected passing away of their president, Key Bernstein. Bernstein was a well-known figure in German football after rising to his position. Formerly, he, he was the member of uh, the ultra group of Hertha Berlin. Now, since taking the presidential position in 2022, he had looked to change the image and fortunes of a club that lost its way on and off the pitch in recent years. They were also relegated to the second Bundesliga. That is the latest news. My name is Buba Jalo. Thank you, Bubajalo, with the news. Uh, this is Africa Link coming from our studios here in Bonn, Germany. I am Okeri Ngushinado. And I'm Isaac Mugabe. Feel free to comment on the stories we are going to cover on our Facebook page, DW Africa Okeri and I. We'll certainly read them live here on air. And straight away, we begin the show in Burundi that has closed its borders with Rwanda after accusing it of funding rebel attacks. Mm-hmm. Now, last December, Red Tabara, which is a Burundian rebel group, killed 20 people near the border with the Democratic Republic of Congo. Rwanda President Paul Kagame denies the charge, but Burundi's government has branded him as a bad neighbor. Now, this is not the first time the border has been closed. In 2015, Burundi closed its border with Rwanda because of political tensions and then because of of the COVID-19 pandemic. Seven years later, the borders reopened. Our correspondent in Kigali, Alex Ngarambe, went to find out from ordinary Rwandans what they think about the border closure. First of all, on the diplomatic side, part of it it means that the, the negotiations they have been having for quite a number of time have failed. And it seems like Rwanda is Rwanda is not is not willing to do what they had agreed with Burundi when the first border was opened and the relations the relations restored. So it means basically it means diplomatically the diplomacy has failed and Burundi has tried as is trying to find some other ways of doing it and forcing Rwanda to do the needful. The diplomatic situation between Rwanda and Burundi clearly shows that there is a big problem because it's been sometimes when there is restored hope of renewed relations and there has also been the political will between the two countries. So this renewed hostility resulting into border closure takes us back to square one. The developments indicate that it's one step forward and one step backwards. This shows that the negotiations between the two governments to restore good relations were a waste of time. I think it will have wider implications because it has it affects relations. Rwanda and Burundi have very close social relations. 
even bigger than economic the economic the trade is not very big though informal trade and but the social relations are very big many people have uh, relations either side of the border it is a very big disappointment for them mm, well I, i see the closure of uh, the burundi border has really disorganized the relationship uh, of uh, both countries in regards to diplomacy and trade whereby diplomacy uh, so many things now are not going on well as previously the last uh, two years or something of that sort and now you hear there's that bickering going on which is not good between the two governments institutions uh, regarding to the trade now you see so much of uh, the import and export has been limited so actually not limited it has been closed down so totally there's nothing and of which uh, traders from both countries are the ones who are suffering like they said like when two elephants fight the grass is that really suffers Now those are the reactions from Rwandans on the border closure between Burundi and Rwanda. Now we also have more comments coming up on our Facebook page DW Africa where you are commenting on the story but for more on this issue I first earlier spoke to Dr Phil Clark University of London and I asked him what the closure of the borders will impact the relationships between Burundi and Rwanda. This is a very tense time uh, in the relationship between Rwanda and Burundi. I think this is a a real fundamental breakdown in relations uh, between the two states. The, the border between Rwanda and Burundi was closed for a long time. It was closed between 2015 and 2022, and it was seen as a real breakthrough when the border was reopened in 2022. The, the fact that it's being closed again, uh, I think, shows that there's a, an enormous amount of bad blood between the two governments that perhaps when the border was reopened uh, that uh, that relationship really wasn't fully mended and and now we're back where we were two years ago mm-hmm. I mean Burundi's president accused Kigali of hosting a rebel group and even called them a bad neighbor is there any justification for these allegations there's very little evidence um, to suggest that Rwanda's actually backing the red Tabara rebel group in eastern Congo that that's a group that's made up entirely um, of Burundian combatants uh, most of them are former members of the Burundian military they've got their own problems uh, with the Burundian government and, and they've had an insurgency against that government for a very long time um, this is the kind of accusation against Rwanda uh, that Burundi has raised several times over the last seven or eight years but the pressure is still on the Burundian government to show evidence of, of Rwandan meddling and and even in the last couple of weeks we, we still don't see that evidence. Mm-hmm. And I mean Rwanda only found out about the border closure through media and social media. Why would the Burundian authorities choose this mode of communication instead of using the proper diplomatic channels? I think this shows just how angry Burundi is at, at this idea that Rwanda might be behind uh, Red Tabara, that they think that this is no longer a space for diplomacy, this is only a space for force. And so they're not even going through the normal diplomatic channels uh, to announce the, the closure of the border. Now, this is also the kind of thing that's worrying the East African community. Of course, regional integration is a, a high on the agenda for the EAC Uh, they're very worried about Burundi's unilateral action here. Um, the EAC believes this is the kind of thing that should be mediated through the regional framework. They're very worried by what Burundi has done in, in the last week or so. 
like you mentioned, the EAC is also calling for calm between both countries. Can we see any um, country within the bloc that can actually intervene and act as a sort of a peacemaker um, between both countries? This is a very difficult relationship to mediate. Um, As I said before, this is a relationship that broke down for seven years between 2015 and 2022. There were lots of attempts by neighbouring countries to intervene in that situation. Kenya, Tanzania, several other neighbouring states sent delegations to Rwanda and Burundi to try to improve the situation. It's going to be a very difficult one. Uh, I think what's particularly uh, disappointing here too is that Rwanda has just recently uh, mended its fences uh, with Uganda. It had a very difficult relationship there. Um, And and so what's happening with Burundi comes at a really volatile regional time. Uh, Rwanda and Uganda might be improving their relationships, but Rwanda has a very tense relationship with Congo as we saw around the Congolese elections there, we now see a Rwanda-Burundi uh, problem. Um, the East African community has got its work cut out for it to, mm. to, to try to mediate some of these these brewing conflicts uh, right across the Great Lakes region. And I mean, for both countries, Rwanda and Burundi, they're both lightlock. So they would depend on each other for flow of people, I mean, for flow of goods and so on. Which country will be more impacted by this um, border closure? Both Rwanda and Burundi will be really negatively impacted by this closure. I I do a lot of my fieldwork in southern Rwanda, right on the border with Burundi. And over the last six or seven years, uh, one of the big complaints from local communities is the damage that's been done by that lack of trade across that border. In in peaceful times when the border's open, tens of thousands of people move very freely across that border. Local trade, local commerce absolutely hinges on that border being open, that the people who are going to suffer most from this high-level diplomatic spat are everyday people whose livelihoods are going to be hugely disrupted once again, as they have been um, multiple times in, in the last decade or so. Um, so that that's my fear, is, is that it's local people ultimately who, who are going to pay the price for, for this political battle. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's been less than two years since the border just opened and now they're closing it again. What's the likelihood of us seeing... Um, the situation resolved and and things actually getting back to, to kind of like a good relationship between both countries. I think this is going to take quite a while to resolve because it's not just about these immediate issues around uh, Red Tabara and, and Burundi blaming Rwanda for that. It, it's the fact that there's still residue from that seven or eight years of, of very difficult relations between these countries, that previous period when, when the border was closed. There have been accusations on both sides of, of political meddling in each other's affairs. Uh, both countries, in fact, have accused each other of supporting rebel movements. There's a there's a longer pattern here that I think shows that this is a very deep conflict and, and it's unlikely to be resolved anytime soon. It's, it's going to be at least a matter of months, I think, until we, we see that border opened again. I was speaking to Dr. Phil Clark, DRC expert and political scientist at SOAS University of London. Mm. Now, there are comments also coming up on our Facebook page, DW Africa, um, where we asked you, I mean, just asked for your reactions on this. Marion um, Chelsea says, bitter neighbours. Kagame needs to stop supporting the rebels. He denies it all the time, though. And uh, Johnson Nyeleka says that's a great decision taken by the Burundian government, a means of closing the border. Mm-hmm. 
And we have here also a comment from Kiza Crispus that says, Burundi, you have been so silent. Just make a call to Uganda and ask for help. Yes, for those sending in comments about the AFCON, we will be there shortly. Let's first go through these comments on the Burundi-Rwanda crisis. Uh, Kato Jasper, you're saying Kagame and his brother Museveni have a vast agenda for Africa. They carry out all you know, these actions, recording something in the future, I guess. Mm-hmm. Isaac Luthera says, Rwanda needs to change. The DRC accuses Rwanda and now Burundi. Both countries cannot be wrong. It seems that tensions in the EAC is, it will just keep on going between um, all the neighbours and so on. And the one final one from Kofi Otabil, he says, African nations should learn to dwell in peace and unity, a prerequisite for intra-African trade to develop the content. Many thanks for those comments. Uh, before quickly we go to sports, uh, Okeri, there's also a development about Rwanda and Congo, isn't it? Uh, yes, uh, that's the case, um, Isaac. Yes, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has praised Rwanda's efforts to reduce tensions uh, with the DRC, even as a new border clash highlighted the troubled ties. Now, meeting Rwandan President Paul Kagame at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, Blinkers promised U.S. support for regional diplomacy to end violence in eastern DRC. But as Blinken spoke, Rwanda's military said that it had shot dead a Congolese soldier and also arrested two others after they crossed the border early Tuesday. Well, it's a story that we are closely following and we shall always bring the details whenever we can. Now, in case you're just joining us, this is DW's African program. Once again, I'm Isaac Mugabe. And I'm Okeri Ngushinado. We're also live on our Facebook page. So just drop your comments here. I can already see some of you commenting on AFCON, mm-hmm. which will come up later. Exactly. On that very note, AFCON fans, where are you now? Get around, get closer, get around, mm-hmm. invite your friends and family and share this live because it's going to be fun, fun in this next minute. Uh, Ivorian fans have vowed to win the AFCON, which is underway in their own country as they warm up to meet Nigeria's super Eagles this Thursday. And this was the mood during the game that they played at the start of the tournament between Guinea-Bissau. I want this cup to be the best in the world and the best of all times. We don't want it for other countries. We want it for ours. It's Cote d'Ivoire or nothing. Uh, it's Cote d'Ivoire or nothing. <laughs> I can already those, sense that mood. <laughs> those are well-oiled and super fans from the Ivory Coast saying it's either us mm-hmm. or nothing. But before that, what began as a way to pass time during COVID-19 lockdowns has become a calling card for Tumi Mope. She's now an award-winning TikToker and content creator. And it all started on her neighborhood WhatsApp chat. Can you imagine? Yeah, now, but everybody experiences such... Not everybody experiences such rapid successes on social media platforms. In episode three of our award-winning show, Don't Hold Back, host Nozibele Nyamgana Mayaba quizzes to me on what makes her account so special and where it can go drastically wrong. Don't hold back. Say it loud. What's up, everybody? 
my name is Nozivele Kamganamayaba. I am your host. Welcome to our award-winning podcast, Don't Hold Back. This is a partnership between DW, Jacaranda FM, and East Coast Radio. In studio, uh, we have TikTok sensation. Uh, she's an award-winning content creator. Yes! Please help me welcome Dooms, the narrator. Hello. Hey, Dooms, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. Dumi, I understand you started, um, you know, uh, in TikTok, on TikTok. Mm-hmm. When did you start? Um, what was the journey behind it? Were you bored? You wanted to create content? Were you very intentional mm-hmm. about it? Just tell me about your journey. COVID. Okay. Yeah. Not the Delta variant, the original <laughs> one. <laughs> right? I was okay. bored working from home. Yeah. And then TikTok started. And then I was doing some dance moves, that, but I don't know how to dance. Okay. And then I shared one story about my complex. Okay. And then it went viral. I was like, okay, things. This some, I'm good at this. Then I kept on going and going, and one month turned into three and a half years. Now. Oh my word! Yeah, so it's it's no. I need to I, I need to know the story about the complex very very briefly. What was yeah. the story? So I have a a, a diverse complex, mm-hmm. and then there's Umarei, and then there's like Karens, Gerda, Gerda, everyone, Alice, right? Yes. But he is like Umarei is like very strict, okay. and there's Anneli who's just causing a lot of drama for <laughs> no apparent reason. <laughs> And then the issue was the dogs are barking and like, can you please control your dogs? I'm so sick of you. You know what? What do you want me to do? Is there an app that you can recommend so I can keep the dogs quiet? So it's like these issues within the complex that people just complain. Mm. And what do you want the dogs to do? Like, Mm. is there an app you can recommend? And and just our fights. And there's a taxi driver. There is. Oh, my uh, gosh. (laughs) Oh, he's a taxi owner. Okay, there's there's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot of diverse people. And it goes down on the WhatsApp group. Yeah. So the WhatsApp group in the complex is just where we just go in and complain. Yeah. 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 You know what? As as a fellow content creator, I started my uh, journey on on YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, 2019. My intention was one video Mm -hmm. and that was it. And I always tell a story that back then it was more like makeup people. Um, I just recently learned how to do my brows mm-hmm. and I feel like I did a good job today. You did a good job. Thank you very so, much. And the, and the eyeshadow as well. I see, hey, I see. Thanks, On thanks, point. Thanks. I mean, hello. <laughs> um, <laughs> back then it was like all makeup people. I was like, I can't, like just, this is not me. This mm. is not my space. Mm. But there was a delay with my book. I was like, oh, okay, let me do one video on YouTube and then mm. I'll get out. Mm. Then four years later, I'm still on YouTube. Yeah. But at what point did you see that, hang on a sec, there's something here. Mm. I could formalize this. I mm-hmm. could capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. W- when was that and how did you do it? I think I kept consistent. Mm. Um, because I'm a marketer by profession, I said, okay, this okay. thing is going somewhere. Mm. And I said, what are the things that I want to do and what are the things that I don't want to do? Mm. Uh, I declared it at work that I'm, I'm on TikTok and TikTok is going. And then I said... I put guardrails for myself. These are the things I don't want to be a part of. These are the brands I don't want to work with. Uh, these are the values that I'll carry. Yeah. And then I started going and I kept it authentic. Mm. I took real life issues from the complex. I didn't try and fabricate. I would dramatize, but not fabricate. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, yeah, man, this is, I love doing this. Mm. Like, cause it's a, it's a space where I just offload, mm. you know, yeah. everybody, everybody goes through a lot, lot but, but that space is for me to just take, take my pain and play with yeah. it. And yeah. yeah. And I kept going. And then, they were like, and I would listen. I would listen to the comment section. They're like, why are you not on Facebook? Please open a Facebook page. Then we opened a Facebook page. Yeah. Why are you not Instagram? Okay, fine. 
and I listen to what they ask for mm. and I give it to them. YouTube, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with the numbers there. <laughs> it's not make sure. But uh, uh, I try my best to, to deliver content. I'm literally going to be one of those people like, no, I interviewed her. I was in the same room as her. You know, uh, when you win more awards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, when I see you headlining your own show. Yeah. I'm prophesying here. Please, please, receive. I accept it. Yes. I, I receive. Please receive it. <laughs> but thank you so much, Tims, for coming. You're welcome. This has been Don't Hold Back, a podcasting collaboration with DW, Jacaranda FM, and East Coast Radio. Please catch this episode and many other episodes wherever you get your podcast. It is also available on YouTube. Until next time, this is your host, Nozabeta Kamgana Mayaba. I'll see you next time. Yes, we hope you enjoyed that episode. And of course, we've been waiting for this moment. But first, let's do this. Africa Link. Sport. AFCON, AFCON tournament. Yes. Tunisia and South Africa start their AFCON, Africa Cup of Nations campaigns against Namibia's Bafana Bafana and Mali, respectively. While Burkina Faso's bid for its first title against uh, Mauritania. Um, yes, yeah, uh, by the way, okay. Well. Before, before we go, first thing first, Namibia, yes. your country, is playing yes. today and it has a very interesting name. Yes. Bafana, what, what is it? Uh, sorry, Namibia. Nam, yeah, Brave Warriors. Now you call them Bafana Bafana. No. <laughs> oh, sorry. Brave Warriors, Namibia. I'm, I'm watching out for yes, that. I'm but so again, excited yes, for yeah, it. You are right. Tunisia is playing uh, Bafana Bafana from mm. South Africa and your yes. team, the Brave Warriors. I yes. mix them up, but yes. Yeah, but like we mentioned at the start, uh, Ivorians or Ivory Coast, which is actually playing host to the AFCON that is underway in Abidjan. We have our reporters there. We have Samson O'Malley. We have Bram Posthumus giving us the latest. Ivory Coast has vowed that it will be, it will win the AFCON hook or crook and it's either Ivory Coast or nothing. You've been mm -hmm. sending comments about <laughs> your, your predictions. But first, let's get this report from Bram Posthumus in Ivory Coast. Abidjan streets normally bustle with people going to shops, stores, supermarkets, restaurants, etc., etc. But yesterday, Sunday, January the 13th, they closed early and the stalls only sold fruits, vegetables, flags, vuvuzelas and T-shirts. Lots and lots and lots of T-shirts. In the Ivorian national colour, orange. Côte d'Ivoire is welcoming some 1 million visitors for the 34th edition of the African Nations Cup. Four brand new stadiums have been constructed, two have been extensively renovated. The government has built new roads, bridges and special football villages. It has set up new health facilities and put in place extra security measures. The bill? A cool 1.3 billion euros. And a lot of that money comes from a familiar source. China. I want this cup to be the best in the world and the best of all times. We don't want it for other countries, we want it for ours. It's Cote d'Ivoire or nothing. Two well-oiled fans just before the match began. And yes, the only thing on people's minds, winning.
And so, after the national anthems, the first match of the tournament, Guinea-Bissau versus Côte d'Ivoire. Everyone had just taken their seats in one of Abidjan's many cosy and always noisy open-air restaurants, and... One nil for Côte d'Ivoire, after which the match went to sleep, only to wake up again during the second half when I had moved on and was passing another open-air restaurant. We win and we win. We win the cup and we win the peace. For Côte d'Ivoire and all my brothers. 2-0. And that's how it stayed. But beyond the festivities, this is the story of a nation still striving to come together after the traumatising civil war just over a decade ago, and a nation that wants to show the world its good side. This is a country where everyone is welcome. We all live together here. So welcome to all those who have come from abroad. I want this cup to be the best in the world and the best of all times. Indeed, some have already suggested that Côte d'Ivoire should organise the World Cup. What a good occasion that would be to put those expensive stadiums to use once more. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, indeed. That was an update from Bram Simas in Abidjan. And we promise to bring you more updates from AFCON because it gives us so much pleasure when you comment on AFCON. I mean, showing the enthusiasm of your teams that are going to win and also predicting the goals, things like, like that. So we promise you every day we shall be giving you a dose of AFCON. But before we wind up with comments, uh, okay, let me give out the results from the game between Burkina Faso and Mauritania. It has ended in favor of Burkina Burkina Faso, breaking that jinx of draws. And later this evening, actually at the top of the hour, Okerio team Namibia, yes. the Brave Warriors <laughs> will be taking on Tunisia, which is going to be a tough game. And later at uh, 9pm, Mali will play South Africa's Bafana Bafana. Yes, I'm very excited for the Brave Warriors to um, show up and kind of, uh, you know, come up as the underdogs because I don't think anyone is kind of hoping much from them. But I also see some of your predictions coming here on our page. Gould mm. Seldrick says Cameroon will beat Senegal and wow. Angola. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Send in those predictions and perhaps the goals. We really appreciate. And well, we shall be back tomorrow at the same time, same place. My name is Isaac Mugabe. And this has been Okering Gushinado. Until tomorrow. DW. Made for Minds.